What's up, everyone? Today on the podcast, I'm going deep with my friend Anissa Belanoff. Anissa is a talented actress, filmmaker, and stand-up comedian. Her name may sound a little familiar because she's the first returning guest to the podcast. On the pod, we talk about her Australian tour getting cancelled halfway through due to the pandemic, the growth and the refocus vision that has come from it. She has been writing non-stop with a feature film script being shopped around with potential US agents and a current web series in development. We spoke a lot about not pigeonholing yourself as a creative. If you're inspired, go with the flow and it will always aid your craft and instrument. Balance in life and creative endeavours, along with society and social media, always seems to be a rich topic of our discussions. Without further ado, please welcome the talented go-getter, Anissa Belanoff. You're now about to go deep with Dan Good. Anissa. Hello. How's it going? Man, you've got me back. I know. Why? First guest on the podcast. First returning guest on the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you kindly. Yeah, hello. I know. Last time we spoke to you, you were here doing your comedy hour. You were recording it. You were just about to embark on your little Australian tour. Yes. And that's where we got to. Mm. And then um, Mother COVID struck. Yeah, it was almost like I I felt like part of my tour knew that something was coming because it's just a few things that happened. Like, unfortunately, you know, the night that we did one of the shows in Brisbane, um, it was like the best night to, to record. And it just so happened that my mic, um, that was plugged into the sound deck wasn't working. And it turns out it just wasn't pushed in <laughs> far enough. Oh, to connect. Serious? Yeah. So, um, I ended up doing some amazing footage and a really cool clip for Sam, who was my opener, but, um, yeah, which was just, it was fine. Like we were going to use it for promo and whatever, but it ended up being fine. I sold out shows in Perth and I got a really great review for Adelaide and, um, yeah, but then COVID happened and I kind of see it as the biggest, I know everyone's talking about this, every influencer, every, every, I don't know, weirdo on the planet. It's like, it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. I'm like, yeah, global pandemic, such a blessing. Um, but there is some things, I guess, in terms of being able to have that time to reflect and um, sometimes having like learning what you're capable of when, you know, a situation happens that's completely blindsided you. Mm, completely out of your control. And yeah. completely out of your control. What you learn very quickly how resourceful you are and, and what you can do for yourself during that time. And um, like for me, it was the biggest roller coaster of a situation. And I think to everyone else on the outside, they're like, oh, she's handling this so well. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but it was, it was like from day one, it was like a nightmare for me. Um, but I didn't tell anybody that. Yeah. I think only a couple of my really close friends knew, but there was a point where I went and saw a therapist. Like it was crazy. When the pandemic actually hit or yeah, and well, when you were halfway I mean, through your tour? Yeah, there was just so many things. So uh, pandemic hit. I was at that point still doing like group fitness training as part of like my, my main source of monetary income. And also like who wouldn't want to get paid to work out? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was like the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and you know, I got a stage and I got to entertain people while, you know, they were 
killing themselves and I was laughing. It was great. It was such a great, yeah, yeah. making jokes, practicing my tears. It was great. Like I love that relationship. However, I didn't like the industry. And I think I spoke about that briefly on the other, on the last episode um, for many reasons, but uh, it just wasn't me and I've been wanting to get out for a while. So um, when that happened and the gyms closed down, uh, I've been working on a co-writing on a feature film um, with my friend who was based up in Brisbane area. And she's like, okay, gyms are closed. What are you going to do? And I was like, I'm just going to write. Cause I had all these ideas for like shows and movies and all this stuff and just so many. And I hadn't had the time to stop because my days were literally getting up at 5am, teaching a class in between that writing, then teaching lunchtime classes and like traveling around Sydney. Like it wasn't all in one stop shop. I was like all over the place. Um, then I would write or do like live admin stuff. Then I do evening classes. And once I finished evening classes, I would get changed. Like my life was on my back for like the whole day. I would get changed. I would go to comedy I'd do stand up that would finish at what 10:30 maybe like later depending if I stayed around. Yeah. Get home at 12 just before 12, maybe after 12, get back up. Excuse me, get back up at 5 a.m. repeat. Oh, sorry guys. <laughs> it's okay. You could we'll smell this. It's a pretty good one. Um but yeah, so it was just yeah, that rinse cycle and like repeat and Yeah. I didn't realize at the time, but I had a few friends kind of going like, Oh, I don't know if you're (laughs) going to survive this. Like this is, this was hard. And I had other pressures as well. Uh, you know, um, I think cause I was good at what I did. There was uh, some pressures on me to do certain things for like the fitness industry. And then I had some issues with, um, like people in the, the comedy um, scene down there and just how they treated people and just trying to navigate that as yeah. well. Um, and yeah, and kind of doing it all on my own, like at the same time, you know, like I moved back down to Sydney, I was trying to build new networks. So I was, I'm very trusting of people initially. It's, it's one of those things where like, I, I don't, I have a relationship with you. I don't care what other people sort of say, like yeah. I get to learn that relationship with you. Yeah. And if you, and we have a great relationship, then that's what I know. But if other yeah. people have that, like if I hear other things and that's their relationship with you, I'll be like, that's cool. That's your relationship with them. I haven't seen that from them, yeah. et cetera. However, yeah. it's not saying that I'm blindsided and I completely like sweep it under the rug. No. Like you where put there's it in the memory smoke, bank, yeah. Where there's smoke, there is usually fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of some capacity, you know, whether it's a little tiny flame or a big like, you know, bonfire situation. But mm. um yeah. So sort of navigating that, I was really trusting of a lot of people and I wanted to be very open because that's how you get to meet people yeah. and you get to like network in this industry and stuff. But there's a lot of people who are in things for the wrong reasons or, you know, and I get it. It's a selfish kind of space to be as a creative, like I want to make my things and mm. I want people to love me and what I do. Um, but it can be, but you quickly, sort of figure out that you have to be open to these things. And most people, the the industry does welcome being open, but there is certain, I guess, yeah, toxic people you can run into like any walk of life, right, in any profession. Um, But, yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I think there's just this space that people live in where they believe that like, I know, I personally believe there is room for everybody. Mm. Like there is 
literally room for everybody. You might not be where you want to be right now, but there is room for you to grow and develop and and find where you're meant to fit within an entertainment industry, right? Yeah. Um, but some people don't believe that. They believe like if someone succeeds, then they've taken their spot, you know, like that oh, kind of. Surely that's an old way of thinking. Yeah, I get it. It's such an I old way it. of I thinking. Do, I do get it because before it was so limited with certain spots and opportunities and things like that, whether it be comedy or acting, filmmaking and stuff yeah. like that. But look at how the industry's going on every single avenue now. Like, And you do your own stuff as well. And it's like props to you when your things get over the line because no idea the amount of hard work that goes into it behind the scenes, which I know you can be a testament of right now as we were speaking before the podcast. Yeah. With the things you got going on. So it's just, you know, like it's, yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's natural human instinct to be a little jealous of someone oh, if you I see get them that. getting things and it's like, oh, I'm in that range, age range and they look like me or I'm better looking than that person. Why did they get it? You know, yeah. like, and it's just, it's, it's easy for those little things to sink in, but there's probably a bigger issue at hand if they are. And I mean, I'll be honest, I've had those feelings before when I scroll through on Instagram and someone else has got this thing and I'm like, Ah oh, shit! I'm like, and then I'm mm. like, you know what? Fucking good on them. Yeah, because I, I know they would have put the work in to get that, or chance, or timing, or whatever it is. But yeah. all those things are a factor when Absolutely. you when you when you get cast in something big, you know, or, or you get an opportunity. You know, preparation, hard work meets opportunity meets yeah. then longevity. Yeah, but you know, you can still have preparation and hard work, and people who meet opportunity then don't humble themselves yeah. to know that yeah. it's a rich cycle. Yeah. yeah. Every time there is a new job, you have to humble yourself. You just might have more knowledge and more experience in terms of like you've done it before, but you're not better than anybody else in the game. Yeah. Like, and I've just been so lucky lately that the people that I've been running into and, and having that value set on myself too, like I'm no better once you learn that you're a beginner at everything, like, and you know nothing as a human being, you know nothing, mm. right? You just, the things that you think, you know, are just like a, that survival tactic stuff that we've been like ingrained into our being, right? Yeah. We are constantly taking in information every day. And once you learn that you know nothing and you are humble in knowing nothing, then you are open to learning, developing, growing, and being better at your skill set, right? Completely agree, yeah. But we live in this world, this is such a t- tangent, but I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> but we live in this about. world where like the information age has made information so ready available at everyone's fingertips that they feel like <sighs> the word research is very interesting to me because research in the vernacular doesn't actually mean what the word was initially intended for it to mean, right? So today's vernacular, when people say like, I'll research it, what they're saying is, I'll Google it for like five to 20 minutes max till I feel like I have enough information that proves my point and my point of view. um, And therefore I've researched it. Which you can find in any argument and any, uh, there's always an article to support yours. Oh my God. There's an article that says mother (laughs) Teresa is the devil. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's the range, right? Yeah. So the idea that people go like, I'll research it. And they put this onus on a word that they know has substantial meaning meaning for us in terms of our, um, 
I don't know, language, but the vernacular and the way that we use it today is, is not actually its terminology. Yeah. Um, so I find it really interesting that like people profess themselves to be experts and professionals and all this sort of stuff when they don't actually harness their abilities or their tactics to one particular venture. Like when you think about say a research scientist, that person has committed their life to just learning about how snakes poop. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and they have, they, they know all like, and they don't even know all the stuff about how snakes poop. They've just spent as much time as they possibly can and probably have so much more knowledge and understanding from different people studying it and whatever than you do about how snakes poop. Right. Yeah. And then they're putting that in all that time of their life that they've dedicated to that, whether that be, I don't know, a couple of years, a couple of months, you know, decades, whatever it is, then they're putting it towards what we call research grants to get to convince someone else that they know enough and there's a problem enough yeah. for them to then to fund that fat, and then fund they can that. go further down the rabbit anyway. hole. And then someone turns around and says something like, I'll research that, and then they Google it for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Humanity. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's a show of the times, right? It's just that easy to have that information at your fingertips when before you would have had to go to someone and then go to like 10 different people and have them like have a consensus and mm. a big think tank group of people to try and like suss out what that is and you might be so far off it. But it's a good thing. It mm. is a good thing because there is a lot of good information at your hand if you're willing to sift through it, though. Yeah. But not just to support your argument. You look at the two and the throw of the argument and then you find something in between the heavy medium that seems like the truth, right? I mean, yeah. that's how I research certain things if I'm not sure about it. You know, I'm going to look at both angles first. I think there's something healthy in seeking perspective. And because we only know or take in information from our previous experiences, right? So, um, and the perfect example I use with a lot of people is the word love. And I find this, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast before. I don't think so, no. Okay. Because I find this really interesting. The word love and people, we throw it, we throw it around like we all know and understand what that word is. Yeah. And yet um, its meaning is so diverse Because for example, and this is just an example, Mm. I grew up with a very loving mother and father that are still together, that worked through their problems, that put their family first, et cetera. My interpretation of love comes from that. Yeah. However, I have friends and know of people that have grown up with in abusive, you know, households um, that, you know, would have abuse thrown upon them and then turned around quickly with loving hugs and kisses and saying, I love you, I love you. Now, as a child, your interpretation of love is now that, right? That behavior, that experience. So as an adult, their interpretation of love and their definition of love runs off that emotional connection connection. to their childhood, yeah. And my, when I say love, and my relationship with love runs off my experience of mm. my you know, connection to that word and when I learned that word, right? So when that person and I say that I, we love whatever it might be, there's a disconnect already there. You cannot assume that language means the same intention mm. and the same understanding because it, it just doesn't. Um, I forgot what the initial the, the point, was, point was, but it's, oh, that's right. Well, we, Seeking perspective. Yeah. Um, 
because you've got that disconnect in vocabulary and understanding from how you learnt the language to your emotional feeling and context to when you you know use that language too. Like I still remember, like I love the word vernacular and I love the understanding of the word vernacular because I remember learning about the word vernacular in a music extension class that I did on a Friday afternoon after school, by the way. Um, and I just thought my teacher at that time was just so interesting that he wanted us to learn outside the box in the way that we saw music and we saw art and everything like that. And when he brought up the word vernacular, I had no idea what it was. And I was, had the courage enough to ask because everyone's sitting in the class like, I was like, I've never heard this word before. I think it's amazing. What is it? And I had the courage to ask. And he's like, you don't know what the word vernacular is. And I said, no, but it sounds exciting. Can you tell me? And he's like, it's the language of the people. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. And I remember that now. And now whenever I start to think about like sociology and how we move and talk to people and how each generation is changing in terms of communication and how we, I guess, um, interpret communication now, like compared to back in the day when you would have a conversation. No, now we just text each other emojis Mm. that have reference to how we feel. Um, it's interesting. Uh, but I just feel it's, it's seeking perspective that is outside your realm of what you've experienced is really important in terms of you coming to a free thinking conclusion of how you feel about a certain thing, like your own opinion. Well, it's, it's self-education too. Yeah. If you're going out there and looking for it and maybe you've heard something when you're growing up or learned it through somebody else, but you're like, you know, I'm starting to kind of question that the older I get, the wiser I get and the circumstances that I come across, I'm starting to think maybe that's not exactly how it is. Mm. So I research it for myself. I talk to people, I get a different look at everything. And like I said, look at both sides and then find out the best thing for yourself, you know, mm. and then put it in practice in mm. the field. I mean, like you said about the love thing, that's, I mean, you could really go down the rabbit hole on that one Mm. with um, the different relationships and how you view it. But also if you have two people, for example, like you explained that Mm. it was an abusive relationship or someone that uh, grew up with a mother and father that are still together and loving and, you know, still keep going. Mm. It's an interesting thing because then they're sharing a love, right? And, And maybe they start off with a little bit of that abusive stuff and then they realize that it's not working in their relationship and they educate themselves to be better, you know, and their different love loves are connecting and uh, materializing a different love between them, you know, and Mm. it can change. I mean, it it could change, change. but it comes with communication and it comes with people having really hard conversations, like hard conversations and not running away from them. And it's just, it's not apparent in our society for us to have those conversations. I mean, politicians are a perfect example of like, there is no hard conversation to be had in, you know, in politics. The hardest conversations that they've had to have recently is probably about COVID and, you know, standing up for certain decisions that have been made by them um, and having to listen, you know, to listen to backlash or people's, you know, commentary, uh, commentary, commentary. That's what I was trying to say. I was trying to say comment and then commentary at the same time. Anyway. Um, but we as a society don't 
or I think actually, I feel like we, it's one of those things where we don't want to hear the hard conversations because the hard conversations are usually the stuff that we are finding confronting about ourselves Mm. or, you know, we'll release truths and fears and all that kind of stuff that we've kept hidden away, hidden away by, you know, not exploring it on things like Instagram, et cetera. Um, and making it our best selves forward. Uh, meanwhile, you know, next second they've posted and then they're crying on the inside. Um, <laughs> it's true. And you know who you I'd, are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, and, and I can only express that truth because there were points mm. in my life where I was there mm. and I know what that's like. But well, we, I think we all get sucked into it at some point, like yeah. little pieces of it. It's just whether you tear yourself away. But I feel more, well, sorry the word, but for younger people growing up through that, like that's all they know now. That's their measure. That's their metric to happiness, to love, to connection is those weird little you know, Instagram likes or Don't, follows yeah, or whatever hits. or comments with the hits, emotions. <laughs> um, you get that a little endorphin rush when you get people appreciating what you're doing, you know, and mm. now we've got it in an open space realm where anybody from anywhere in the world that yeah. has a, as a device can, can give you that. And it's, it's a weird thing. It's a beautiful and a weird thing. Yeah. And Cause it, you can share so much, but it's like, there is no regulated territory in all this. Yes. Like other than the terms and conditions, which I mean, you know, like for example, right. Mm. Dating apps and stuff. And we talked about this last time and I'm not going to go further down the <laughs> rabbit hole too far with this, but I'll just yeah. say the amount of stuff that I've seen on the apps that, I, that I've been through before about chicks showing a lot of things and not covering up much. Mm. And I can't put a simple shot of me and my mates butt naked on the top of a mountain on, on, um, the dating stuff without it getting pulled down. Mm-hmm. I find that weird, man. Uh, I find that just strange and a little sexist to be fair. I think society's, I mean, look, society still will always, you know, view women as sexual objects and it's just, it's a, like, again, it goes back to like primal understanding of Mm. how we, you know, create new life. Like it's unfortunate. Yeah, what's in our DNA, yeah. it's, it's again going to take a lot of hard conversations. Mm. Like how is it okay that, you know, we can, you know, sexualize the female form in such a way and, and, and sometimes like we can't with the men or if women do it, then they're like, you know, then they're hypocritical because then they won't allow men to do it to them. It's like it's too, it's actually having a really deeper and hard conversation as to like, well, for each individual really to understand where they stand because a lot of people don't actually know why they like things and why they dislike things. Like Mm. you said, it's easy to go with the flow. If that's all you've grown up with, if that's the um, influence you've had, then it's the norm for you. It's the norm for you. How are you meant to question things? And um, I brought this up with uh, a girlfriend of mine recently because she had this thing. Oh, she, I say had because she's questioning it a bit more. But for a long time, she's like, oh, I don't drink coffee after 12. Because I'd be like, oh, let's get a coffee at 2 p.m. And she's like, I'll just have tea. I'm like, that's fine. Like, you can have whatever you want. I just said coffee because that's what I'm going to have. And, you know, uh, uh, no one has tea at 2 p.m. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyway, uh, she said, like, yeah, I don't have coffee after 12. And I said, oh, okay. Like, is that, you know, for a medical reason? You can't sleep because of the caffeine? Like, what's the go? And she was like, oh, I think it's because, like, you can't go to sleep at um, 
after, like if you've had coffee in the evening. I, I think like, it's different for different people, but yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, I know that that can change people. And she's like, yeah, no, I swear I can't get to sleep. And I was like, just out of curiosity, like where did this after 12 thing come from? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I mean, it's a very specific time. Yeah. And you're saying it like it's a fact. And I just wondered, like, because, you know, if you're only having a little coffee after 12, like at what time after 12? Like you, your body doesn't know if it's 12 p.m. or yeah. 2 p.m. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just uh, like I'm yeah, trying you're, you're to figure this out. Because she's very specific. She, she's heard and, this from somewhere and it's yeah, ingrained in her. And, yeah. and she goes, oh, I said, who else doesn't have coffee after 12 in your life? And she's like, my mom and my grandma. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why is that? And she's like, well, grandma never had coffee after 12 and we'd always have tea. She probably had poor taste in coffee too back then. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, but what she had created as like what works for her was yeah. actually a thought process of someone else. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, how for many, sure. How many things in your life are actually like, you know, and you discover, we discover elements of these when we get older, but like how many times, you know, I think about things like when you're a baby, and you're just tasting things for the first time, mm. right? Foods and stuff. Mm. You don't say you hate peas. You don't like no, you dislike <laughs> dislike stuff. No, but I'm saying yeah, like I know what you're saying. you know you're taking it in and you're absorbing it and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then at some point, like as a like baby, baby, you would have been eating mushy peas. You would have been eating all this sort of stuff, right? You didn't yeah. care. You're like, this is amazing. It's different yeah. taste. I don't know. Blah, blah. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, you heard that you needed to hate peas. Yeah. And all of a and sudden, you yucky. hate peas. Yeah. Or like you heard on a kid's show, or another kid doesn't eat peas. Like you know, like you don't understand that sometimes, like we just take on so much and we absorb it to the point where we, we think it's our own thoughts. Yeah. We're, we're malleable creatures, especially when you're younger so and that's true. when you're so influential and that's where you get these things from. And it's funny you, you talk about that is that obviously as you get older, you start to wonder these things and you explore them a bit more yeah, rather you, than why do I think the way that I'm thinking right now? Yeah. And it's like, like moving from, New Zealand and Australia are very close, right? Nuzzle. But the cultures, New Zealand, bro. Yeah. Um, very close, like uh, very close proximity geographically, but yeah. the cultures are pretty quite different oh. actually too, but all very alike compared to say, you know, like Americans or, you know, Europeans or something. It's, you know, a lot similar, but there's so many things that I'm like, I've had to go on, you know, at the, at the start, I'll like stand on my pride and true, like strong Kiwi, you know, like I'll keep, I'll stay with what I know. But after a while, I'm like, I need to adapt here, you know, a little more because I'm in, I'm in a different country. I'm in their, their country, your country, Australia. Yeah. Right. Remind and, yourself you know nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And I'm just like, you know, I'll sit back and take all these things in and figure these things out for myself. And I'm just like, then you start to see how people are so ingrained and how they grow up. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. being malleable little kids is that it was right because the parents had done this or we did this at school this way. So this is the way that it goes. And it's like, there's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. That's a bad old school reference, but, um, there's the schooling system itself is a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Like you go to school Monday to Friday for a particular hour of time. Does that not set you up for like the industrial age of the workplace? 
Yeah, well, I think they had that kind of designed as well. Yeah, that I way, mean, yeah, that, to think, you know, to stop the people going outside the realm and thinking for themselves. And that's a whole government thing and everything from uh, the from government early thing, on. Uh, private equity thing, like money making yeah. thing, like, yeah. Well, it's the hierarchies trying to control, you Absolutely. know, the power and everything. I mean, Control yeah, from we the could go down up. that road. There's so many <laughs> rabbit holes we can go down so here. So many. I feel like Alice in Wonderland. I'm like, I'm like I feel like you're you're like a, a minefield operator. No, I'm the minefield operator and you're planting the bombs down and you have the detonator. I'm like, do we go down that one or do we, do we just pass by and try to make it to the next one? Yeah, continue. <laughs> no, but you, you're so, yeah, you're so right. But I just think that I, I just realized that that's what, like everyone's stuck in their ways with what they've learned. And, but there's only certain people that actually have thought outside themselves and gone, you know, maybe I'm not right with this. You know, maybe there mm. are so many other answers to this question. You know, it doesn't just have to be one. Mm. Well, how about I take on all these answers and figure it out for myself? Like I was saying before, when you're doing the research, like, but I think, yeah, that comes with age, like I was saying. And, um, Oh, and also self-awareness, not just age. What yeah. I hate hearing and blows my mind. Do you want to try and bring this a bit closer? Hello? Sorry, just give it Mike etiquette here. I can see the waveforms. They're in my oh, no. eye It's fine. It's okay. good. We're good. That's just going to be in the podcast. I might. Yeah, oh, no, it's all fine. Is this going to be? Oh, we don't cut nothing out of this. Oh, okay. Unless we really, really, really have, we have to, to, but really I never have. have to. Apparently, I wasn't close enough to my mic. No, no, it's fine. I can just see. I'm sorry, like, everybody. Hey, sorry, look, you project. Sorry, I know. everybody, look. for having a really loud Daniel in one ear. <laughs> so I'm loud in your ear? <laughs> No, yeah, you're a bit loud. Yeah. That's probably why I'm talking quieter. Yeah, okay, anyway, okay. Sorry. I can turn that down. It's okay. It's okay. Before we started, I, I remembered that. Uh, Actually, Anissa, why, why am I apologizing? That's a whole. Yeah, other, I don't that's, know what, that's a whole female thing, and females will understand. It's ingrained in us to apologize. Oh, no, I completely. <laughs> but what I'm apologizing for is actually your responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're right, and I'll take that responsibility. That's Thank fine. You. That's why I'm politely asking you. We're all about <laughs> law endings here, ladies and gentlemen. I remembered from the first time Anissa was on uh, doing this audio that she projects very well. And she has a high <laughs> register of voice. And oh, no, I went and bumped bro. it down before we started. So that is my oh. bad. But hey. I've come into my own. Maybe I'm not so loud. Maybe I'm not so opinionated. Uh, oh. I'm still I'm still opinionated. <laughs> I just maybe don't voice it as much as I do until well, I get Well, you've learned, haven't you? That uh, yeah. You, maybe I mean, you can't voice it all actually, the time. Actually, you know what? I, I retract that statement. I think there's a lot of things that I think about that I actually don't voice. And I've now come into a place where I, I know how I want to voice them. And it usually comes in a form of writing or even right now I'm playing around with like I've, I've really found social media very challenging for many, many years. And I just never really spoke about it. And, you know, I was always about, well, I got to put the positive energy out, which I'm a very positive person. Mm. Like that doesn't change and that hasn't changed. And I think it's because I've overcome many of my own personal demons and worked with a lot of people about it and also know my triggers and when things are going to happen and all that stuff. Self-awareness against self-awareness awareness is key. Um, but where I was going with that was that I'm now learning where I want to place that voice mm -hmm. as not an opinion to be challenged, but more as an option for me to showcase how I think and my art. And it's not about being right and wrong. It's about, Hey, this is how I thought about the world or this is what I've experienced. And this is the behaviors I've seen or whatever. And, you know, if you've seen this too, then maybe you'll 
res- it'll resonate with you. Yeah. And taking it right back to my art roots, which is where I always was before social media came along, mm. like in such a way that infiltrated our lives in such a way. Um, like I used to exhibit my photographs and my photographic series in art galleries, for goodness sake. Like, <laughs> and now I just like, oh yeah, Instagram's there. It's so easy, but it cheapens mm. it. It kind of takes away its experience. So I'm working on a series right now on my Instagram, which is simply I'm calling it um, social media by the one who has challenges with it. And I just point out behaviors and things that I've noticed in myself and others. And yeah. Yeah. I've no I've actually I think I've seen a few of those. Yeah, yeah. I wondered what you were doing with that. Yeah. And like when you, you woke up in the morning and you had the selfies and stuff and with the captions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So just <laughs> pointing out behaviors but and things. Something great that you yeah, you just said there about um, you know, like before you may have been boisterous, you may have said things that you wanted to say, but now you've found the outlet that works for you and where you feel comfortable actually putting your time and effort into mm. and producing the art and then putting it out there for a way for people to view it now. It's a big step back to how I think society deems. I think that's a great way though of, of doing it. <laughs> and that's, I think that's, that's, you seem like you were projecting then really well and just you were straight in line with it. And that seems yeah. like you, yeah. that seems like you're in a good place mentally with that part of it. Yeah. I think it's funny. It's kind of taken me back to like uh, university and growing up in a small town and I would have projects and I would just work on these projects for like weeks and months and discover them and unpack them and then, you know, reinvent them and all that kind of stuff. And I had time to do that. And then I think I got caught up in this world of like social media and particularly, and I guess, you know, the fitness industry that I was in and also probably a reason why I had so many challenges with it, Mm. um, was that it needed, you needed to promote yourself so quickly. And I'm not saying with my art, I don't have to, but you know, with my art, I can promote my art when it's ready to be promoted, not like beforehand. And, um, whereas in the fitness industry, it's like, you know, if you're not posting and like people aren't going to come to your class and it's just so instantaneous and it's very obviously, uh, you know, image orientated and the vanity behind that and everything. And I understand we're all after the, you know, healthy bodies and the fountain of youth and all that kind of jazz. But I must admit, I got caught up to a point where it would just, destroy me. I would get to the weekend and I was destroyed mentally, physically, just like I can't keep up with this constant need for people to consume this like vanity project. I found TikTok really interesting too. Like from a creative perspective, you know, I spend this time, you know, developing a a subject matter. And I I know it's like horses for courses. Like you've got to find the outlet that works for you. But I had so many people going, you should do TikTok. You should do this. You should do that. You're so funny all the time and all that kind of stuff. But I was comfortable in my space. And when I was funny, like for my classes or whatever, I never yeah. recorded my classes or showed my classes because it was an experience to be had in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Which then, is something cool and unique about that too. Yeah. And it, and it lived in that person's mind for the next time that they came along. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like why I liked doing my own comedy shows too because yep. it was like I didn't – and also a blessing from the whole recording thing not working because I didn't actually want a recording of like in that particular show yeah. in that way. I wanted it to kind of live as this like thing that people experienced. And it was a showcase, kind of a show – more of a showcase? Is that what you yeah, yeah, kind of. For the people that were there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, anyway, I just, I think I found things like TikTok really challenging. Like I jumped on there for a bit to see how it worked and stuff. Cause I'm always fascinated. I'm like, I yeah. gotta learn. Like that's the thing in me is like, I don't know. I gotta learn. Yeah. I gotta find out. I gotta experience this. Cause how can I have any form of opinion or information or commentary or anything about anything that's going in this world? If I haven't experienced it in some capacity. Right. Yeah. So we have some of our experiences. That's just, that's just really fact, like <laughs> fact. Um, and I'm looking at these creators who are like getting, you know, blown up and becoming famous and whatever. And, and it's for 15 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever of creation. And it would have its moment in time, but then people would forget about it. Yeah. 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 Where things used to trend for, you know, yeah. months, like, weeks on in months on in now and it's like you're lucky if it's a five-day cycle you're going viral and, viral yeah, if you're and, going for five days and then I like and I was listening to I don't know some of these creators and how they think and it's a constant for them like it's like I have to wake up and I have to do this thing and I have to develop it and I have to put something out and I have to every day I have to put something out and there yeah. was a moment for a little period of time that I was feeling the same with like Instagram and posting and all that kind of stuff. And I have to put this out today. I have to, I have to, I have to. I feel you. But then now that I've pulled back with the things that I've been working on and I can't share that stuff, Mm. like it needs to develop and it needs to be nurtured and it has to take time and it's conversations and finding the right people and people come and people go and, you know, and it will take as long as it takes to happen. But when it happens, that's when I will tell people about it. Yeah. But it won't be like happening in 30 seconds or me getting up and putting clothes on and makeup on and doing a dance, you know, and then releasing that to the world. It's just not going to happen that way. And it, for me, it's just, that's not, I realized I'm not that, I'm not that quick creator in terms of that. I need time to develop ideas. I need time to write, like writing has become a very interesting and and um, actually kind of surprising outlet for me. Uh, people s- say that they've kind of always seen me as a writer, but I never saw that in myself. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely be interesting. Discovery. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, you have been busy with your writing on mm-hmm. a writer's retreat. I think yeah. uh, was the word you used. Yeah, man. So what's been going on? What's cooking? <laughs> What can you talk about? Spill. Um, spill. Uh, Obviously, you're not putting it out there too much of what's no. going on after what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand the game and how it is, but what can you tell us about what you've been working on? Um, I have had, so I've had these, <laughs> I've had these movies and TV shows and ideas in my head for many, many years. I have friends of mine that um, are in the industry or around the industry. And every time I would see them, I'd be like, Hey, I've got this idea. Can I just pitch it to you? Or what about this story? Or what if this happened? And one of my girlfriends like, every time I saw you, you had a movie idea or a TV show and you would pitch it to me. And I'd just be like, that's fucking brilliant. Like, why doesn't that exist? Mm. But she never told me this, but she's like, you've always had them like always. And I just, it came down to time. And it also came down to me prioritizing that and feeling like I was worthy of doing that. Cause the other thing, like I'm, I'm happy to talk about now, but you know, I was dyslexic. I say was because I'm, it's something that I feel like is not hindering me so much. You know, I'll tell people like, yeah, dyslexic. Um, 
it was, you know, it was such a, I, I remember just recently asking my mom about it. Cause I just found English and spelling, I find spelling so fucking hard mm. and I will do things where I will, um, also write a word like one way and then change the way that it's written like the next sentence, like yeah, say like okay. where and where, yeah, yeah, yeah. but to me it just computes the same. Yeah. And even just it, like the visual look of like a letter, like for example, sometimes I write a instead of I. And the reason that I do that is just because I, my, my brain just goes just single I just need a single image, like yeah. a single thing. And the single thing it's means that this. last bit of the inflection. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard yeah. that one. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I've worked really, really hard. <laughs> like this is like from, as soon as I knew that that was a challenge, I just remember like, because it was like considered, you couldn't be academic and not like have those things. So I just, I remember working so hard and I would do draft after draft after draft and just hoping that those red circles would just be less and less and less. And I just thought like, who am I to be a writer? Like, who am I to talk about these things and, and, you know, go into depth. And then I just realized like, but I have all this feeling anyway. I've been writing some short films and doing all that kind of stuff, but nothing to the point where I would show professionals in the field. Like I'd usually just get it made. And even with my comedy show, it's like, it's easier for me to just to perform it than you actually seeing my transcripts, you know, like, which I do have, by the way, like I've actually written transcripts of this stuff. Cause I think it's just important for me to personally have is like, Hey, you did that. Like you made an, you made an hour comedy show and yeah. you worked really hard on it and you perfected it and you kept going with it. And, you know, to the point where now where it's like, I'll do another one and I know exactly what it is. I've got like two in my head, but when they come up and when that happens, I don't know, it yeah. needs to go with the flow of where everything is right now. And the flow right now is writing TV shows and films and, um, and it's been bizarrely well received and I have some amazing people in like who have come into my life that have championing, 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 um, what I'm about and what my stories are. And, you know, I've done over COVID, I've, I've done a fair fair few pitches to, um, literary agents and, and people over in America and, my slates and stuff and my feedback has just been like, Oh my God, we want that. We want that. Is it written yet? And I'm like, no, it's just in pitch document. But the fact that you want it already mm. is like a really you know good sign. So I'm in the process of like, there's a couple of things already written that are kind of in development. And then there's stuff that people are like, kind of like, Hey, can we have that yet? And I'm like, eh, I haven't had the chance to write it yet. Or it's halfway through. And then, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's been weirdly amazing to be able to do that and to put how I feel about things into visual experience because I've always felt it as like when I go through things or when hard things happen in life, I've always seen it as a movie or a TV show. And I know everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like that, that, that couldn't have just happened in my life. That was totally a scene from a movie or, or whatever it might be. And I would just visualize them to the point where I would mark like where someone would come in and, um, how the, like the language would go. And sometimes I've just got notes and notes in my phone of like just dialogue and stuff that I've heard from people out of context completely. But I just think it's just so fabulous the way that sometimes like 
we really create, we, we strive to create these movie moments, but these movie moments actually happen in everyday life. And we're just so unaware Mm. that we miss them. Yeah. Mm, That was, sorry, that was a bit of a (laughs) roller coaster. That's how we do it. Fun. No, it's, it's interesting what you, you, you said, um, you know, at the moment now, like before, because last time we spoke, you were all about comedy. Yeah. You know, and I knew before from obviously a lot of acting. Mm. And now you're like gone down this path of behind the scenes writing and getting your imagination, you know, getting the things that you're imagining, you're visioning yeah. out on paper now. And, but you said, I'm just going to go with the flow and how I feel. And right now that's not for me, even though I can see like two comedy specials, which you did halfway (laughs) to tell us about last time. Yeah. And it's just interesting because that's a thing as a creative or as any person really is that you get caught up in these moments. And I can speak to this. I do the exact same thing and you get so flustered because you've got this idea and you, you want to do this and you're like, I know this is going to work, but I've also got this in the background that I'm working on and I'm trying to do that. And it's Mm. just hard to concentrate and put the energy into one or two things and really like feed it and do it justice in your creation. But, um, yeah, you seem very sure about what you're doing right now and the place you're at. Yeah. I think because, let's not get it twisted because I'm still fueling those elements of me. Um, like I enjoy stand up because I get to perform, but I've always loved to perform. I was on stage when I was like five doing dancing. Right. So that there is that connection that's always been ingrained with in me. I love comedy because I feel like it really helps me connect with people because I felt like such a personal martyr of myself because of what I call my creativity, my, my creative mind monster. I had that when I was quite young and I was constantly questioning things and looking at people differently and asking why that we had, you know, these relationships the way that we did. Um, so I like using comedy because it kind of neutralizes the situation. You could be the weirdest motherfucker in the planet, but if you can make someone laugh, then all of a sudden there's that connection and they don't feel so distant from you. Right. So I really, I've always loved that. And I've always used comedy, like prior to me, even like really going down the world, like doing stand up shows and stuff. Um, I, a lot of my short films were comedy based or dark comedy, like (laughs) pretty much all of them that I created. Um, so I never really ran into like thinking about drama or anything like that. It was either thriller or comedy or both. Yeah. Like they were my genres. Do you think that feeds something for you or you're letting something out in that way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I get to express what I wanted to say to the world in a way that they can then interpret it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's just this, I would never, I think, I could never pigeonhole myself as a creative. I think I use the term creatively fluid when the idea comes to me and it has to come through me as, as the vessel. Um, cause it's not necessarily my idea. It's my creative mind monsters idea, or it's, it's, you know, motivating force. Um, it needs to come out through the means and the medium that that idea has to do. So it's not like I can be like, oh, hey, you know, I want to write a play, but the idea I get is a book. It's like, well, I can't make that into a play because the idea comes through as a book. Mm. 
and I don't know if people are going to understand this. I think some people are, and some people are going to be like, I don't know what she means by it, but the creative output has to go with the idea. You have to justify the creative output for the idea. And when I started um, doing comedy, it was because a lot of my ideas had that that need for that particular creative output. I had to find my voice and myself on stage, which helped me with a lot with acting and not taking myself so seriously. But then in doing that, I missed collaborative moments. Like stand up is so isolating because you've got to create the jokes for you and you get to, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I do love the control of that. It's like, I can do this on my own time and I don't need nobody. You know what I mean? Like, this is great. Um, Don't need anyone. Don't need to wait for someone. I can just do this. Whereas filmmaking and um, the reason why I realized I loved that stuff so much and great TV shows and everything was because it was a collaborative process. It was because someone had a seed of a germ of an idea and they shared that with someone and then someone put their two cents in and they shared them with someone else and they put their two cents in and all of a sudden we have this amazing thing that we binge watch and we refer to and we create as part of our vernacular and, you know, that language of that generation and that kind of thing. And I just think now that's exciting too. And I'm not saying that comedy doesn't have that to an extent extent, but it's one individual usually that is sort of in stand-up that is showing that. Whereas I think there's something transcendent about creatives coming together and be able to collaborate on something. Yeah, absolutely. And then for me, having so many skill sets that I love exploring and love being challenged by, I acting and performing like in that sort of space has always been my number one, like always my number one. And I don't care. It's not about looking pretty. It's like sometimes I just want to look as fucking ugly as possible, like as raw human as possible. And I just got to a point where like I was lucky enough. Actually, I probably had more auditions over COVID time than I have ever had before in my life. But nothing was gelling and sticking. And I think it was because, hey, you know, you've got more than just playing the part of someone else's story that they've written, you've actually got stories in you that need to be able for others to be able to play with, like, and for yourself to be able to play with. So I started writing, I mean, I wrote like the movie that the sci-fi that we've written, um, which we're currently pitching over in the States, that was written because I saw myself as that character. And I got to share that, that world with someone that I created when I was in boarding school. And my co-writer was like, this is fucking amazing. And then they came on board. Right. And then, um, the TV series, web series that we're currently working on at the moment, um, the people that have come on board for that has just been fucking mind blowing to the point now where people, some people in the industry actually know about the project and have heard whispers about the project, which is like, great. It doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean much, but it means that there's a story there that people like enough that they want to be, they want to share, yeah. you know, and that's something about that or be a part of that. Like I've, I've spoken to so many amazing, amazing, incredible actors and whether they, you know, timing wise or whether it was the right fit for them or not or whatever, but everyone has come back and gone, this project needs to be made. Like this is an awesome project. And, um, that's just been really humbling and lovely and, and people enjoying the writing that who have seen the writing, um, has been nice. And I've got, I've just, yeah, 
it's actually been such a, a beautiful experience to know that my voice and my words um, that I've worked on and I've found and will continue to find because we aren't the same DNA structure of ourselves that we were yesterday. Yeah. Um, will develop. And I just want to continue creating these really lovely and collaborative, I guess, relationships. Oh my God. Did I just give myself goosebumps? <laughs> I hope everyone felt that through this, that what I just said. Um, but yeah. So I don't know what the question was. <laughs> getting that acknowledgement um, from your peers as well. And from people that you consider to be very talented in certain areas and loving what you've put out there as a creation. And yeah. And, and it hasn't even that, been created yet. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, I can see it's full potential. Well, they can feel it probably too. They Being can, creatives, you know, when you get a script that's like tickles those things, like you're getting up your arm yeah. right now that you're like, yes. Like, this is cool. Like, I want to play this character. I got to audition for this. I'm so excited for it, you know? Yeah. Like, and then there's things that you read that are pretty subpar and you don't get excited for And after you get through a certain point in the industry. Like, yeah, I'm not getting bothered, like, mm. putting the effort into that. But that's what you aim to do, right? And mm. then once you get to that next point of actually getting the funding or mm. what have you to actually produce your creation, that's next level as well. And, and, like you said, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing to have those creatives that you get to work with like that and you're boosting each other up, mm. contributing to the end goal. Yeah. Like that. that's the amazing part about the industry. And mm. I think that's what a lot of people don't know about either. Yeah, you, you know, do like have to consumer. sift. Don't get me wrong. You do have to sift for the gold nuggets. Yeah, like, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, always, there's always toxic people in uh, mm. any industry that you are in. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the exciting part about it. But I think that's the part that people don't know about, though, as well. That's what I'm saying. Like the consumer, the people behind the seat, they oh don't know what it's God. like and what we speak about. You know, we, we talk about that a lot on the podcast and the different avenues that we go down, but it's really if, hard to put it into words, right, if you haven't experienced it for yourself. If consumers had to spend, like, I don't know, just a small app, like a small part of their week, um, with the amount of time that a creative does on their like TV show that they love to watch, for example. So say if a consumer had to spend, I don't know, let's say they had to contribute 10 hours of their life for them to be able to watch their favorite TV show for the rest of their life. Say, let's just say a handmaid's tale. Cause it's so fucking br brilliant. Yeah. Um, they would be, I think, so discouraged if they had to contribute 10 hours to actually get this show up and running to the point where it's completed. They would be so discouraged that they wouldn't make it. I don't think we would have like one eighth, one eighth of the content that we do because what creatives sacrifice is they sacrifice a part of themselves for someone to consume to a level where they feel that they have an opinion on what was just given to them and they have feel the, they feel they have the entitlement to consume it too. Mm. It's like, you owe me this consumption. You owe me this TV show. Yeah. You owe me this reboot. No. Well, it's their entertainment too. And uh, without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we Absolutely. do. You know? So it's, it's one of Absolutely. those things, but, but also they're putting the 10 hours in of whatever, 
to contribute to help us to do this. Can you you imagine someone doing 10 hours on like a script breakdown and getting it ready for budget? People would be like, I didn't realize this was a thing you had to do to make movies. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) like it's not fun. (laughs) The fun bit is actually probably the doing part. Is the doing part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's the relationship. It's hard to get that balance too, especially when you start, like you have, you know, there's dreams or aspirations to want to be on screen and do you know, all these amazing things and play these crazy characters that you never could in real life. But once you start, you realize how much effort actually goes into it. And over the years, that's when, I mean, people can fall off, you know, right. And it's, um, everybody has it at some point of their career, I'm sure like, and like loses that motivation or that, uh, you know, the, the motivation or the drive to keep going with what they're doing to do it. And not everybody makes it to a point of it being their career forever, you know, either. Um, what do you think, keeps that going for you just your ability to express yourself you feel like you've got so much within you like your imagination your vision that you want to put down now you've done it before you've had some great elation from it Mm. you know people have perceived it quite well what you've done maybe not everything but Mm. do you think that you know you were saying like the instagram is not your instant thing you know it's not your Social endorphin media hit, you know, no. um, um, but it's satisfaction and what you've done and people have actually enjoyed it. I think that's what most creatives probably would yeah, lean on. You uh, know? It's my purpose as to why I'm here because every time I think of doing something different or living my life differently or, um, you know, like I have these moments and I talk about it with some really close friends where I'm like, why can't I be the accountant? Like, why can't I want that job? Or why, why don't I want like the, you know, the family and the kids and the white picket fence and the, you know, living for your weekends and the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. Like, why do I feel the need to work myself unconventional hours in creating things um, to then wait for someone to read it, to then wait to get a yes or a no, to then, you know, try again and fix it or take on feedback. And some feedback's great and some feedback's hurtful. And um, why do I feel the need to then like constantly be knocking on every door that slams me in the face just because I think the next one isn't? Like, why do I have that going? And to the point where I have had commentary some like, it's put strain on some of my friendships because they go uh, recently I got the comment, I can't keep up with you. Like, you know, I can't keep up with what you're doing. And, and even today I spoke with a friend um, and she said, well, I've known you to do no different. Like I can't expect you to be a different person because you've always had something on the go. Like you've Mm -hmm. always tried and, you know, it's lovely right now because, because of the success I've been having with people reading my work and getting some idea of what I'm about. Um, and I'm not saying that my work is, uh, you know, I'm working hard on it to be really good because I do want it to be really good. I have certain visions about different stories that need to help people in certain ways. Um, you know, I've got a, like all my projects are passion projects in a way cause they, they're all meant to say something that I haven't been able to say myself because I don't think it's the right way for people to consume it. 
I think they need to come to that discovery themselves and they can do that through story. Whereas someone, someone sitting on their soapbox being like, Hey, listen to me because you guys are stupid is not going to get their attention, nor their intelligence, nor they're willing to change, you know? Um, so for me, and I've, and I've even had conversations where I've cried to my mom and dad on the phone of like, you know, initially like growing up when I was my young adolescent self being like, why can't I be normal? And my mom would be like, what the fuck? Like, no, she wouldn't swear. My mom would never swear. Those of you who met my mom, she's like the mummiest mom to everybody. She's amazing. She'd be like, because she'd be like, what, what do you, sorry, what are you defining as normal? Like, what is, what is this normal? I'm like, you know, the, the people in the rat race and the nine to five and like all that stuff. And she'd be, she would just say, cause you've never, you've never done it. She's like, you can do it. She's like, you got enough drive. You got enough intelligence. You got the skill set. You could do that life if you wanted to niece, but man, you'd fucking hate it. Like you would hate it so much. Mm. And then I would just reflect and I'll be like, yes, I would, I would hate it so much. Um, so I think to answer your question in a very long and overindulgent way, um, it's because it's, it's actually my purpose. Like it's actually the thing that makes me happy when I go to sleep at night. It's the thing that excites me in the morning. If I'm not fueling it, I feel depressed. It's, it makes me feel like I'm in that rat race. That's a lot of people feel. Um, it doesn't matter if it's never seen to the world. It's the fact that I know it exists and it's allowing me to live my best life and my best self and have the best relationships and conversations with people because it allows me to go deeper with them, you know, and, talk to them on a, on a soul level, on a really dark humanity level about color and light and, you know, how we experience things and conversations and why I pick certain words for things or visual representations and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's my, it's my purpose. It's my calling to do this creating thing and I don't know how it has to come out in an output until it actually happens. And do people challenge me on that? Absolutely. They do. Oh, you haven't done stand up in whatever time period, blah, blah, blah. You know, Oh, when was the last time you did X, Y, Z? It's like, well, that's kind of irrelevant. Cause the fact is I've already done it. Like I know I can do it again mm. and it's going to look different because I've had different experiences from A to Z. Yeah. And the difference between me saying this is because a lot of those skill sets, I come down to the primal need of what those skill sets need to function and grow. And I continue that. And that is what's important. It's like what I said to you before about like acting off camera, we were speaking about like, oh, you know, I haven't done acting for a bit or acting classes or workshops or whatever. And I said, but the podcast itself is actually using your skill set of an actor. You have to listen to people and you have to react and you have to respond and you have to do it in authentic, natural, humanity-based like rawness and realness, right? So therefore you're exercising the skill set. You're just not putting it in the state of acting yeah. you know you're not putting it in that location so what if you watch a sunset at the beach and the sunset at you know in the forest or a sunset on your home porch did you not just watch a sunset <laughs> yeah putting it in the simplest way that's exactly it yeah 
Yeah, and it's it's like fueling those other avenues, like you said, and you have to try different things that you wanted to go down, you know, and it fuels something else, you know, that'll breed something else in the future. It's just all part of uh, exploring yourself, exploring your craft, exploring life, I guess, mm. in the artistic realm. But, yeah, it just sounds like, yeah, that's it's, it's your being, it's your everything, right? Mm. Yeah. Like... I don't even I don't even know how to I I've got a, a blog coming out on stage 32 which is an online kind of like a I guess an online Facebook for like the entertainment industry for filmmakers actors and stuff like that this it's in the started in the US so LA based thing and now it's gone really global it's amazing yeah I've, love it I've read it certain blogs before I, I think i used to be signed up to the newsletter at some point that comes around email form I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. there's you know it's a free design like i feel like i'm a spokesperson for them i'm not but i've just had so much success in terms of my own personal learning in the field and the industry and talking to different agents and um filmmakers and listening to different people and like a, they did a recent one how to pitch to netflix and they had like one of the global leaders of on that that goes around to talk to the other like um you know people within Netflix on like on pitching and stuff. Anyway, yeah. um, it's an amazing kind of resource, but uh, I've, I had a blog back on there, you know, kind of during COVID about, you know, having all the different hats and calling myself creatively fluid because of that venture. And now I've got a blog coming out, I think it's tonight or something, talking about the creative mind monster and I guess creativity and mental health and how, I can't explain this being to people, but it's always been there. And if I ignore it and it's, and I tell it not now, or I can't, I don't have the time or the money or whatever, I feel less of myself Yeah, because it's so part of me and ingrained in me um, that it starts to suffer. And I, and if people don't understand that from a creative perspective, they need more of a linear perspective. The easiest way I can tell you is health, you know, like, you know you have to look after your body and you have to eat a certain way in order for you to, to maintain a healthy, working, functioning organism that you are, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you don't feel that right, if you don't give it the exercise or the outlet, if you, you know, don't, you know, talk to friends and look after your mental health and stuff, you suffer, <laughs> like, physically, emotionally, um, everything. So it's, it's, it's a similar kind of concept around that, um, that, you know, when you know it's in you, you just have to keep going and keep trying because it's the only way to serve your purpose. I wish I had like a purpose, like, I don't know, eating hamburgers for the rest of my <laughs> life or. That would like, be a nice one. Yeah. But every time I think about doing something different and every venture I've gone down sometimes where I thought, oh, I could totally do that. It, the answer is that, yes, I could do it, but it wouldn't make me happy. And usually those ventures I've gone down, I've like had to like rip back and get rid of, or they don't last long. Like I probably hang on to it longer than it needs to and like flog that dead horse. <laughs> Because um, I feel like I have to see it through because my word is very important to myself. But the one thing that I've never wavered on is I've told myself I've have I have to be creative. And I've if I've like neglected it, that's the time that I feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I know what you're saying. That's and that's what I spoke about before when we were talking off camera, um, about like you know, the time and effort and energy that has to go into consistently putting out these podcasts and stuff. I said, 
honestly, my acting probably has suffered a little bit because of it. But, mm. you know, it's something I felt like I had to do. It's something that I feel like I'm good at and people keep telling me that I'm, I'm good and they're listening and they get and it's getting better all the time and everything like that. And yeah. like you said, the listening you got this trans skin skill sets. I'm, t- I'm yeah. really. I don't like to pigeonhole myself either because I feel like I have all <laughs> these other lines as well. But society loves it. Yeah. Society loves it. What do you mean? You, you, but, but, but you're a fitness girl and how can you do comedy? And, and like you do stand up, but you don't look like a comedian. And like you, what you write TV, you have a feature film. You like sci-fi. Like what the fuck, man? You don't be like, you, you it's outside of the box it's like well fucking get rid of the box and then i'm on the floor and you can see everything i fucking do i like that like tip it out you know um i'm i we and we do it and like i'm just gonna use you as a perfect example because you just did it then you pigeonhole your skill set yeah 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 which is the worst thing you can do as a creative because it means you're going to stop yourself trying things and learning things about yourself, which will then develop the skill set that you really want. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, I'm, I'm talking just in the momentum. Oh, terms absolutely. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just I, like as a case yeah, study yeah, right yeah, here, yeah, yeah. like if you pigeonhole your skill set and go like, I'm acting now and, or, you know, like, oh, I, but, and now I'm being a manager or whatever it might be in your, in your day to day. Right. And you pigeonhole those skill sets. Then all of a sudden you feel like you can't do something because yeah. you've never actually like done that skill set. Where in the reality is you've probably have done that skill set. Like I've, I like, I thought about it. I'm like, Oh man, like I've jumped into producing and, you know, development and stuff. Pardon me, which I was like, Oh man, I've never done this before. And then I started looking at the skill sets that were required. I don't know a lot of the technical stuff, ins and outs. No, but I you've know produced that. stuff before because you produce your own like reality check, your own show. It's but just I've like, oh, learned- I just haven't put these bullet points down of, oh, I can do that. I can do this. I can do it. But I've learned, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know this skill set. What kind of person do I need to find who knows this skill set? Okay. Who in that community do I want to start approaching? How many conversations do I have to have? I have had the most incredible meetings with a lot of incredible people over the last 12 months. And some of them I've wanted to work with. And some of them I'm like, "Mm, nice to know you, but I don't really like, this is not the right fit. Some of them have gone, this is a great project, not the right fit for me. Like all sorts of things. But I realized like that communication set, if I told myself I couldn't produce, I wouldn't be doing that, which no, is getting the right exactly people. It. You're producing there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But that also comes with like being the group fitness instructor and having to talk to people and finding what they're looking for so that I can understand how to approach them and connect those dots for them. Like, and then it also came back to like, you know, people management thing too. It's a people management thing. Um, but also being able to communicate how I feel about things and my vision of things like Mm. that's really important. I mean, I I have a lot of things around communication. I think communication is a very underutilized skill set that we need to teach in schools because at the end of the day, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care if you know code inside out and back to front and you know how to run like the whole world on the, on your laptop. If you cannot communicate with another human being, then you are lost. Well, there's only so much you can do yourself. Because at the end of the day, I think the people that are going to be the richest and in the world are the ones that can communicate, not the ones that know everything about everything. It'll be the ones that can talk the talk and 
get the information out of others to work the system. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, oh man. And that's it. And it's like communication is kind of stifled and opened up to a lot of areas with technology and social media as well, you know, yeah. like it's like you're zooming and you're self-taping from here for a US thing, you know, or what what have you. But yeah. at the same time, you're only stuck down here doing this on your on your cell phone as well and not looking up and communicating. Like that's why I love podcasts. Yeah. That's why I love listening to them. That's why I love doing them because they get to lock <laughs> in and connect with just one oh, person yeah. in the room. Like it's it's an awesome thing and it's a special thing and you get that kind of connection going. You just get riffing and you're mm. down a rabbit hole on something and there's like half an hour later, you know, and it's just – yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a lost art form communication, I think. Yeah. And it's like it's in everything, like relationships and work and and anything you're trying to do, communicating with yourself as well, mm. and being able to say, okay, yeah, I think I can do this producing thing, you know. Instead of talking yourself out of it, yeah, you've got healthy communication with your inner child, your inner being, yeah. your inner drive that you're. There's an you amazing know. book called um, "What to Say When You Talk to Yourself." It was like I think written in the seventies far out. It is mind-blowingly good. If anyone's listening to this and they're like, how can I have a better relationship with communication? You've got to start as as wanky as this sounds. You have to start with yourself yeah. and how you talk to yourself. And the way that we talk to ourselves really perpetuates our, you know, out of comfortability, the way we, you know, our posture, the way we approach people, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Perfect example is, you know, when someone's having a bad day, it's written all over their face, like, and then you approach them differently. And then you feel like you have to downgrade your particular presence because of that. Mm. So how you talk to yourself just is an amazing foundation and just be wary. Like when you catch yourself saying negative things about yourself, Yeah, yeah. I must look like the biggest no, I won't say that. I think I must look fucking amazing. But uh, <laughs> um, I have moments in the house and I know like I think it's very healthy to talk to yourself and get to know yourself a lot better because yeah. you do have your, you know, several layers of your brain that are listening at the same time. And I'll say things like when I do like get, you know, something done that was really challenging to me, I will say out loud so I can hear myself. I'll say, good job, niece. Like, good on you. Like you've did that. And that was awesome because we can't hear ourselves sometimes Yeah, and you can be proud, but you don't express to yourself that you're proud. Oh man. Does that come back to bite you later? Like, you know, when you're having a shitty day, like, and I do this too. Like if I'm having a shitty day, I will say it to to myself. It's not like an expression of like, I wish someone will hear this. No, 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 no. It has to be self-heard. I will say, okay, you, I am like having a something or other day today and this is what's aggravating me and this and this happened and this happened and blah, blah, blah. And I list it out because once it's out, it can't come back in because I know what it is. Like I can't perpetuate back on it. Yeah. Like I can't keep it in my brain and, ma- and make it bigger than it is. Like I can't keep going, oh, well, this story happened and then they, they said this and then that probably means this, but then what they really meant was this. And then like, if that's in that internal side, you can get as big as it fucking wants and no one can see it. But as soon as it becomes external, it becomes diminished. It becomes smaller. It becomes part of your past because it can't live inside because you've stated what it is. It's like, I'm upset because I kicked my toe, you know, 
No, I'm upset because like in your head goes, I'm upset because I kicked my toe and that made me late for the bus. And then, you know, then I yeah. didn't get the this. And then the blah, blah. Perpetu- and it, propels in your right? mind. Yeah. When you say it, it alleviates it. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stating, you know, the facts of and taking, own, it's taking complete ownership over your thoughts, your feelings, your being, your action, mm. um, and your attitude. <sighs> Instead of blaming the situation or something else or someone else for it. Yeah. yeah which but that's can interesting in a positive way though. Yeah. That's, I can't say that's something that I do. I'll think about it and I'll be like, you know, jazz myself up if I've done something or, you know, I feel accomplished by something that I've done. Yeah. But I don't think I say it out, out Try loud. Try Yeah, I'm going to. I'm, I'm interested in what really, was the book called again? It's called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Okay. I'm making and, a mental note of that because um, that sounds very intriguing. It's a, it's a brilliant book and there's actually an exercise that you write at the end. Says, oh, spoiler alert, everybody. Um, it's kind of like writing a manifesto to yourself about things you want to like improve in you. So you don't say like, I, you know, you know, I, I want to be, a, you don't say like, I wish I was a positive person. You say things like I am a positive person, but you write out this manifesto and the, you actually get someone close to you that, you know, you can trust to um, read it and record it for you. And you listen to that back Yeah, because it's your words, but it's said by someone else. So you're more likely to take them in. Yeah. Well, yeah, that it's a really, it's a really so powerful weird. book. It's a very powerful yeah. book. Um, it's like turning yourself inside out and then exposing it and letting someone else tell you what's wrong with you. Yeah, reading, but reading you don't. You it's never from like, a yeah, yeah. It's never from that negative perspective. Uh, it's all about uh, positivity. Yeah, positivity yeah. and developing yourself. Yeah, further. okay. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, okay. But that's it's why I'm saying, like, saying your proud of something out loud to yourself reaffirms that you are proud of that thing and you're allowed to have that moment of affirmation Mm. not you having to share it on social media and getting that validation from every jack and harry and joe blow's dog out there right because you know that that doesn't actually make you appreciate what you've done because you know what you've done. Mm. It's like I only know the sleepless nights and the amount of hours I've had to spend writing and developing a character and finding the nuances and how the story arc works and then realising that that didn't work and that, you know, that two hours, not two hours, two days of writing that I did, I have to completely scrap and start again. Um and how my brain, my brain, oh man, it's getting late. How my brain goes down the rabbit hole. Like, you know, it is like, I worked on a, on a serial killer story recently and I went into that rabbit hole of that serial killer and trying to figure out how they worked and, um, the ins and outs of the, you know, why they make those decisions and stuff. And it was just consuming to the point where I would be walking to the gym, didn't know how I got there but I knew exactly now how to fix that thing that I thought that I f- didn't do right the first time. And did I look when I crossed the road? You like were just consumed by the thought. Consumed yeah. by it. So sometimes like voicing out loud can just reaffirm where you're at and how you feel about a thing and make you present and make you aware of the fact that like, that thing did happen. It wasn't in your head, whether it's positive, negative, you know, you can Mm. use those tools for how it works for you. And, um, you know, um, it's, it's a very powerful tool, you know, try it, 
Mm, that's interesting being written in the 70s as well. Yeah, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was. Like even if you don't feel comfortable doing it, pretend you're on your fucking phone and you're talking to someone. Like, but just ugh, try it. Like try it. We do it in the most weirdest ways too. Like it's actually a natural thing for us to do because we'll do it like, I don't know, when we're angry in traffic and we'll be like, ah, I'm late for work. You know what I mean? Like we'll we'll have those moments where we actually do it, but we don't do it in a conscious way to help better ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, It'll usually be because you need to reaffirm the feeling that you're feeling and it's usually frustration, anger, and those kind of things that are quite... generally relieves the frustration as well, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. But I, we I, need I've to probably done it a few times, but I haven't done it, like, a lot as a practice, you know. I mean, that's my interpretation of the book. Yeah, People yeah, might yeah. read the book and be like, that wasn't in there. But that's my interpretation of what I've experienced. Yeah, no, I like but that. Please try it. And it's like there's something you also said there where it's like you know you did a good job. Like, you know, you accomplished what you did, but you had to put something on social media. So therefore you're putting that justification in someone else's hands now. Yeah. And you already were happy with what you you did. Yeah, exactly. So why did you feel like you had to do that? You already got the fucking trophy. Yeah. And now you're waiting for others to give you you the trophy. Shine it for you. Yeah. And put it in the, in the glass cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Hey, it's real funny. And and we're kind of driven towards that too. Like now, cause it's so in your face. Keep and it's it. like the it's, the metric that everybody measures things by, you know. Well, not everybody, but the yeah, general yeah. It, you know, it's, consensus. it's the showing that I – it's the showing of um, – how to express this? Should have had that coffee past 12. Oh, <laughs> mate. I almost had one before. <laughs> like, if anyone – like, I mean, hopefully one day I'll be able to tell you exactly what I've been doing. <laughs> like with this whole thing, but, um, let's just say I've, in the last 72 hours, I think I've only had four hours of sleep. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I apologize for my, like, and she still showed up to do a podcast. Now that's dedication. (laughs) I said I would. That was my word. You did. Yes. I was was glad. Um, where was I going with this? We were talking Where about justifi- the justification in social media and your own accomplishments yeah. and feeling like you're putting it out there. Um, the keeping up with the Joneses is a very real thing and it's like you – nobody knows what they're doing and everyone's trying to figure it out. Mm. That is life. Yeah. Nobody knows what they're doing and every, everyone's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'll repeat that one more time. Nobody knows what they're doing and everyone's trying to figure it out. When we start posting things on social media, like I bought a house. No, you didn't. You got a debt. (laughs) But the whole I bought a house thing is like, oh, I figured it out. Yeah. I reached another step. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. We just got married. No, you like, you know, like we're married, like that kind of thing. It's like, well, no, you haven't proven to us that you have a successful relationship. You've just proven to us that you could throw a good party. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's this like there's this like thing of like we pick certain milestones in our lives to show that we figured it out and it's a societal thing. It's not necessarily an individual thing. Some of us feel like we have to because it's what yeah. it's been planned out for us, right? Yeah. So or what we also believe could be goals in life though, you know. But I know what you're I I do understand where you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. 
but then I have to ask why, why have we directed ourselves to have these specific goals? Mm. Personally, you know, if I was quote unquote buying a house, I would be more inclined to celebrate once that mortgage is paid off. It's yeah. paid and off. I own the house. Because yeah. technically then you own the house. Yeah. Because when you borrow money, that ain't your money, it ain't your money. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that ain't your house. That's the bank's house. You're just loaning it. Yeah. You know, you just put on afterpay. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> for I feel 40 you years. on that one because I'm the same way with, with money and I learned that, um, you know, a long time ago, like when I was younger and I got like, I want it because I was so into cars and everything, you know, yeah. Fast and Furious and that came out, whatever. Yeah. And I like my parents helped me out with like a loan to get a sort of car that I wanted or whatever at some point. And, um, you know, whatever things happen, I think maybe, I don't know if I crashed that one or made it or whatever. (laughs) And I, and, and I had to like fix it up, you know? And then anyway, once I, you know, I had that debt, you know, and I felt, I didn't like it. I was real young, not even really know, you know, exactly the best thing about money and everything, but I knew I didn't like owing someone money. And once I paid that back, I never, I've never ever lent like, owed any money to anyone yeah, and I don't want to, and I would never pick up like, you know, about to, you know, I've been looking at it, like say a 25 grand car lately. And it's like, I get the cash to pay for that. I'm not ticking that shit up. Like I, you know, and I know that I own it because I paid for it. No one else owns it. Not the bank, not the finance company, not nothing. I worked for that fucking shit and I own that. Right. And I like that feeling. That's the, that's the thing about like reaffirming that pride to yourself and not looking for external validation Mm. for that. Because when you, when you get to that point, is that like, is that a moment that you'd post on social media? That I, what, that I brought the car. That or, you like paid off all your debt. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Nah, because I was in the process of it. I didn't feel good about it because I didn't want to own it. So I just secretly, you know, pay the money yeah. and it's done. So and it's now a, I can. It's yeah. easier for you to post getting the brand new car than it is for you. Like so many like, years or months later, posting like the older car that now you own. Do you want it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it's what you mean. It's not as yeah, yeah, shiny yeah. and bright yeah. and like, you know, catchy and like pretty for us to like compute and put in yeah. a little box. Please believe though, when I buy that car with the cash money, I'll be proud to post that cash up because money. I own that bitch. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's that, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's interesting way to look at it, but I'm like, when, when you're saying that about the goals too, it's like, are you aligned with different values and different goals with that though too? Like, I understand why you're saying it, but you're like, you know, I don't really want that way of life. Yeah. So, but to other people, that's like their way of life. If you know what I mean, the nine to five and the rat race, and that's like their yeah. real goals in life, you know, but yours I just, are. I just always, I just always want people to know exactly what they have set themselves up for in life and backing themselves. Yeah. I don't mind, like I have nothing against people who have that particular way for, of life, who live for their weekends, who mm. want to go, like I, like, I think that's great. Like as long as you are happy and knowing that that is the life yeah, that you yeah. want and you You're not just chose putting it out that. there to get the validation. You chose that. Yeah. It wasn't the no coffee after 12, which was dictated by someone else and you didn't question it. Yeah. If you've questioned it, if you've decided you're okay with it, if you enjoy it, if it makes you happy, if you find peace within that, if you find purpose within that, that is fucking amazing because so many people walk around this world just completely devastated by their life and they don't know why. Yeah. So I'm just asked like what I want 
people to do, like I did myself, is I want you to discover you, you what drives you. And for some people, it is the family. Mm. And I know I know people who are like that. It's like their, their sole purpose was to be parents and family and all that kind of stuff. And when they figured that out, it all clicked for them. I'm not saying it was easy, mm. but it clicked. And then they felt the drive in that yeah, and the sustainability in that. And they could happily go about however long of their life on this particular world is knowing that that was their choice and they can stand by that. I get upset when people get to like, you know, midlife crisis and they realize that those choices that they made, they didn't actually fully back themselves for, or they took influence off other people and not what they actually wanted. Yeah. That's what upsets me. And I can only say that from the point of view of what I've been down, where I have gone down a road of like, for example, the group fitness road, the fitness industry road, and initially not understanding how it linked to what I wanted um, out of life. And then realizing there was a switching point where I stopped playing that gimmick and realized like, oh, I can use this to work my skill set. And it just means that I don't want to play that game. And then I'm then I made the choice to be in that industry for my my purpose, yeah, not for someone else's, yeah. But it took me a while because people like to tear you down and also puff you up. Yeah, mm. but you got to learn to do that all yourself, right? Exactly. That's, that's my point. Round. That's yeah, yeah, my yeah. Point. No, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting that book. <laughs> Seems like it's done wonders for you. How long ago did you read it? Oh, it's not just book. Yeah, like, yeah, let's, no, I let's know. Let's make I know, this but, clear. Yeah. I have amazing mentors in my life. Yeah. I have, I've been blessed with really great life mentors that are here to solely see me succeed. I have, I've just started trying to find the right industry mentors as well. And that's going to take a process um, and time. Um, but, you know, you need to seek that perspective and you need that person in your life that's going, unfortunately, and I've learned myself, unfortunately a lot of us seek validation and perspective from like parents, right, Um, or like our best friends or whatever. And those people in our lives are great, but they never want to see us upset. They don't want to see us sad because then we're not fun to hang around, right? They love us, right? So they're always, you know, as much as you hate it, they're always going to give you that advice that's going to make you feel good and not necessarily what you need to hear. Whereas for me, the last couple of years have changed when I really lent into having really good mentors and them sometimes saying things that I really didn't want to hear. And Mm. me also knowing that they were going to say the thing that I didn't want to hear. And I still like have moments where I'm like, oh man, don't really want to catch up with them. Cause I know they're going to say X, Y, and Z about what I've done. Yeah. But then I take complete ownership over that too. And when I sit down with them or have those moments with them, I'm like, okay, so I haven't done X, Y, Z. And I know that's bad for like where I want to go or my development or whatever. And they'll reframe it and they'll be like, well, don't beat yourself up about it. Like, you know it. So if I can let it go and just move on to the next thing, like what's the point in berating yourself if you already know that that's not what you wanted to achieve. Yeah. Um, so just having that, like, but that outside perspective, right. 
Because if I said that to a friend, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't yeah, feel yeah. bad. Don't put like, in, oh, um, just come and like, you know, chill with me or whatever. And, you know, um, they put you in a cotton wool box. And, yeah. yeah. Make it easy for yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, depending on your friends yeah, well, <laughs> or yeah. who you call friends, I should say. Yeah. Um, my mentors have a, like, they joke around that Anissa, <laughs> and they've told other people this, which I thought was really funny. They're like, Anissa has like probably five friends, like five friends, maybe even less than that, four friends. Cause they're like, she's so selective. And then everyone else is an acquaintance. <laughs> That's probably, that's probably pretty fair. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, they're all friendly acquaintances. Like they are good. Yeah, there's a different level of friendly a, acquaintances. There's different levels. Yeah. No, that's of, very true though. I get that. I yeah. do, I do hundred percent get that. I've actually been thinking about that a little bit lately too. Yeah. Circle of influence is just so unbelievably key and you have mm. to protect that. But I watch people who have these, they value different friendships at exactly the same level and the key to getting really good relationships is actually kind of leveling out where those people sit and what they sit there for and what their values are Mm. like for you, because, you know, you just, if you, if you're so unaware of what, cause we, we're human beings. We don't give willingly. We actually take. So when you give, it's because you know, it's going to make you feel good or you're going to help someone and seeing them being helped makes you feel good. Right. We take like that kind of thing that fuels us. So it's always coming back. It needs to come back. If you don't tear your relationships in a way that you understand where they sit. So when you need whatever you need from them, because it is a need, if you find yourself like going like, Oh, I, I don't need anything from that relationship. I'd be really questioning that relationship. Why does it then exist? Mm. Cause obviously there's something that you're not being truthful to yourself about that. You still keep that thing hanging on. I remember I had like the back in the day, like I'm talking like, I don't know, early going out days when I was 18 or whatever. I had this girl that I thought we were besties and she was the best friend and all that kind of stuff. Terrible person. Absolutely terrible person. Like cheated on her boyfriend, like just awful, would say awful things, but then be like, oh, maybe I should just like, you know, you know, get back together with him. And it's like, well, did you break? Like, it was just like, just awful, like just not a healthy kind of conversation to be had around me. But I thought like I could only have fun with her. Yeah. So every time I would go out, I had to invite her or had to be with her, not knowing that that was then squandering my opportunity to then obviously find better people to hang out with or maybe hang out with myself. And then I realized like later on in life, the reason why I kept that awful relationship around was because I did not want to hang out with myself and I did not want to face like my own lonely truths and the things that I needed to deal with because that person was so distracting dealing with her problems. This is what I got from it. Yeah. Every time I hung out with her, we didn't talk about me. We just dealt with her problems. So I realized what I got from that relationship was the fact that I didn't have to deal with me. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, this is like, 
my mum sits down and she listens to me like go off about this stuff and she just sits, sits, sits there and she's like, what the fuck did you come up with that? She doesn't say, she doesn't swear. I feel like my mum comes across this from me. It's like swearing. It's like I can feel her inner thoughts, like, but she'll never swear. She sits there and just goes, oh, you need to put this in a TED talk. I'm like, I'm going to think about that. Uh, think about that. Cause I just hit these things where I'm like, it's just self-reflected and I've been honest with myself and I've looked at things and I've told myself when I feel crappy and I've told myself when I've been an awful person and I've voiced it and I've heard it. And when I didn't take ownership and responsibility and when I like, for example, reflecting back on like, well, why did I feel like I hung, hung on to that relationship way too long? And it hurt me in other ways. Well, because I didn't acknowledge what I was actually getting out of it and and what I needed to face for myself in order for me to move on. Meh. Does that (laughs) make sense? (laughs) You got it out. Yeah. I got it out. Yeah. No, it does. It definitely does. I'm like, everyone's questioning all their relationships, <laughs> listening to their podcast. There's a lot of life stuff in this podcast. I don't, I don't yeah. think we've talked uh, this much about life in, in general. Yeah. Oh, and, I fucking love it. It's kind it's of It's writing. Like, it's creating. It's, yeah, it's everything. It's, it's the construct. It's the mindset that goes behind being a creative as well and being a normal person and balancing that act out, but also yeah. feeding the creativity, feeding your relationships, having positive relationships and... Yeah, telling yourself out loud that you're positive. Yeah, telling, like, you know, telling yourself you like yourself. Mm. And if you can't do that, if you cannot say that out loud and listen to that back, like, I like me, I love me, I like hanging out with me. If you can't listen to that stuff back, then you need to question where you are in life and where you need help Mm. because you hang out with yourself every day. If you're constantly running away from yourself, man, that's exhausting. Yeah. That's unsustainable. That's a bad part. Excuse me. Oh, now a, you've got what yeah, I have for. I know. I, know. I, know. I almost stopped it too. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, it's a really negative way to go down too if, yeah. you, if you feel that way. It's not fun. Yeah. So um, you've got one of your short films screening soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shorts for Jet. I don't know if this will come out. I don't know when this will come out. Um, anyway, it's a, in the Bidden Film Festival has been around for like 19 years. Um, it's actually a festival that I'm really quite proud of. Uh, Jed, the guy that started it, um, would take this festival out to rural communities. He would do workshops in film with those rural rural communities around Australia and they would make a film and then they would show it on like that night or weekend that he was there and people in the community would come and watch those films that were made as part of the workshop, as well as like a like a set of films around from around Australia, the world. Right. So it was just such a great, and if you've ever, if you've grown up bush or lived out in whoop, whoop, or whatever, just so that, that little extra something, um, that kind of opens your eyes to the, to other things. Like, I don't know how to explain it. All I can say is, um, there's just this lovely sense of, um, when things like that happen, the rural communities kind of come together and it's kind of bigger than just a, a moment. It's really fun when those things happen. Everyone's everyone's there for it. They're living for it. Anyway, uh, In the Bin Film Festival came out to Emerald where I grew up and I actually participated in one of Jed's workshops. And um, my brother still remembers it. My sister doesn't so much. But um, it, I re- 
vividly remember going through that process of making a film and getting people on board and having those communications and all that kind of stuff. I must have been in grade eight, grade nine, maybe. And thinking, I love this. Mm, That really stuck with you. I love this. And now um, it's bizarre because my film um, face forward, uh, which has been a finalist for a few festivals, um, was selected for this particular film festival, which they're calling uh, Shorts for Jed because Jed has been diagnosed with a very rare brain cancer and has been given 12 months to live. And they're essentially um, using this film festival to take the proceeds to give to the family so that they can go over to, I think, Germany. There's a treatment facility thing that they're working on there. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm Mm. not a scientist, but can potentially prolong his life. So... It's just this amazing, like when I talked about like the purpose, this is my purpose. It was like when this happened, and this is only recent, it was that full circle moment of like someone who reached out to me through creating and being creative. And I happened to be able to participate in something that they wanted to create, right? That allowed me to then know and learn that this is the thing for me. Yeah. And regardless of the tangents I've gone on afterwards, like that was always the thing for me. Now they helped me in such a way that they don't know. Now I have a film that is going to help them in a way that I could never. It's a crazy circle of life, isn't it? Right? Yeah. That's awesome though. Yeah. It's kind of like, I'm hoping it's the start of many stories like that. Cause yeah. I think that's what's beautiful about creating is we bring together people in such a diverse plane on such a very similar understanding. Well, it's like you put out that positive energy, that creative energy that you fed that thing inside you. And now things are coming to fruition, you know, mm. it's just like a testament to working hard and you know, just constantly doing it and drive yourself and pick yourself up when Mm. you're feeling down and you're feeling defeated within whatever you're doing and and completing it, you know, seeing it through to the end. No matter what way it is, it's always whatever way it goes, you're going to learn from the the experience, you know, and you can draw some positives from it like any relationship you have in life and with people or with whatever you're doing. It's like I kept knocking on those doors because it's that whole thing of like – Eventually one will open up, yeah. One will open up, one person will let me in. But the no's that I did get, it's like I constantly just say to myself, it's like not a no, it's just a not yet. Like keep knocking Mm. because it's just a not yet. Yeah. And some people it happens earlier in life and some people it happens later. It's just like you can't give up because the next door might, that might be a not yet, but the next door might be the yes. So for me it's like it's that purpose. It's not a no, it's just not yet. Yeah. And now it's like a, all right, come on, come on, Gil, come on. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Come into my living room. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Now that's awesome. I wish you all the best with everything you're doing. Thank you. And, well, I know we can't say exactly what the projects are that are going on <laughs> at the moment and yeah. whether things are proceeding, but, you know, we, we wish you all the best with that. And I know you whether it's this door or it's yeah. the next one, you know, it's opening up for you and things are happening. It's awesome to see. And there's a lot of growth from the last time we talked to you and different avenues, you know, like it's just, yeah, you're a (laughs) different Anissa. 
Yeah. Right now, it's, the it's next level up. Two, yeah, two point oh, three point oh at this point. Yeah, it's the next level up. But th- that's sure. it, and you just got to keep learning with these life experiences, right? Because that's just living, and you know, it's mm. your testament to that. You're not getting defeated by the the knockbacks that you've had. You just I'm keep not going. It's, not, it's. I'm not saying it's not hard. No, yeah. I'm it, not saying it's not hard. Yeah. It is. For Very all the highs, hard. there's the lows where you're on the ground sobbing in the corner yeah, or what have no you. one yeah, sees it's, that. They it's just, hard. It's just tough. Re- just remember, like I said, people will post a selfie, but no one sees the tears straight after. Like yeah. just be take take people's pride in allowing the world to know something with a grain of salt. Because I've got some things that I'm very proud of right now that I don't want the world to know about. Yeah. You know, and they, like we spoke about before, it's like that to me is going to be more, this moment of completion of something that I have worked 12 months for is going to to fuel me so much more in my own private world then it will ever seek the same validation or like level of validation by posting it and getting people go, oh, congratulations, oh, I like this, oh, heart, oh, whatever. Or, you know what I mean, it'll just never, it will never have the same value. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on <laughs> as usual. She's entertaining. We learned some things. I feel like it was slightly a therapy session at the same time. I don't even know what just happened. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was meant to be a therapist in a life. Oh, but I don't know. Just not Th- my these things always feel a little that way sometimes. But it's just sharing <laughs> and, you know, it's like I say, the the art of connecting, you know. It's yeah. the thing that's I feel we both feel is lost in society and this is the best art form that I feel that you can put it into, you know. And I'm mm. so glad it's become a popular thing because I love talking. Yeah. And I'm fucking good at it. Yeah, so man. That's, that's what we do here. There, there you go. That's I know. I'm already doing loud. it and I feel good about it too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Righto. Thanks, Anissa, for coming on. No, thank you. Righto, guys. It's us. We're out. Woo. Hope you enjoyed that one, guys. Every time I talk to Anissa, I have to digest the whole conversation the next day and really think about where I'm at in life. It's crazy. We have a really good connection in that regard and it's a really personal conversation between us and the endeavors through the creative realms is something it's something special that you share with everybody and that's why I love having her on because I get to share that with you guys and I hope you actually get a lot from it um, because I know I do every time I talk to her guys thanks for supporting the podcast I love you guys if you can subscribe like comment follow all of the above would be fantastic <laughs> To the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all the other platforms, that would be fantastic. If you'd like to follow me personally on Instagram, Dan Triple underscore good, or if you'd like to follow the podcast, especially going deep with Dan Good. That's the name, that's the motto, and that's what we do. Guys, keep grinding, keep working at what you're doing. It's all a part of the success of you. Every little bit that you work on is always going to the bigger picture. Thanks for listening.